0: Hi, I'm Vishen Lakhiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. As we go into AFES, I want to introduce you to the idea of envisioning. Why this concept, this word, means so much to me. Many of you might know my story. I was working in Silicon Valley. I had a computer engineering degree. The dot-com bubble had burst, and the only job I could get was in sales. And I went into meditation so I could simply pull myself out of that misery, right? That horrible sales job I was at. But what I didn't realize is that meditation would cause me to just accelerate in my career. And soon, I became VP in the company. I was only 26 years old. They moved me to New York and asked me to run their division in New York, And I got stuck in that. I got stuck in the corporate world for about 18 months. And then as I continued meditating, as I continued going deep within, I realized that this was not me, that something was off. I was crushing it at my job, but my life felt like there was so much more I needed to do than just pick up the phone and be selling technology to lawyers in the US. And so I quit my job and I became a meditation instructor. And that's where I suddenly had to rebuild everything. When I first started out, I was so embarrassed at like what I was going through that I didn't tell my friends that I was teaching meditation. Remember, this was like 2003 in New York. Meditation wasn't hip and cool as it is right now, where you have like superstars and celebrities talking about it. Back then, it was like woo-woo. It was this thing that weird people did. So that's where... Valley actually started. Valley started in that particular window above this restaurant called the Playwright's Tavern in New York City. And the funny thing about that window is before I moved into the department in Times Square, it was a Thai massage parlor. This was Times Square in 2003 before Disney took over and put up Aladdin and the Little Mermaid and the Lion King. This was not like Disney Times Square. This was like Kraken Hooker's Times Square. So... It's a sombering thought that Mind Valley really started in a former whorehouse. <laughs> but we all have to start somewhere. And this was the first official Mind Valley seminar. It was just me. There was no team. There was hardly any budget. The budget was maybe like 600 bucks. It was 19 people. And that's what I did for about five years of my life. That little seminar room. This was at the Hilton on 59th Street in New York. It was nothing compared to where we are right now. This was my office in 2003. That's the beat-up Toshiba laptop. The table I'm working on, this is really interesting, right? In New York, me and Christina, we were so broke, we couldn't afford proper furniture, so we would just go out to the streets and salvage what our neighbors tossed out. Every year, IKEA would release their new catalog, all the old IKEA would go to the street, and then in New York, you just pick up what you need. And it's funny, because that table I'm working on, on the IKEA catalog, is actually called the LAC. It's $7.99, this is brilliant. This is the cheapest table in the world. IKEA named a table lack. I guess to signify the lack of abundance and vision you need to want to work in a table like that, right? It's brilliant marketing. So anyway, the funny thing is, I was pleased with what was going on. I liked my job. I continued doing this for five years, five years. And from year one to year two, I'd grown the business by maybe 50%. I'd gone from maybe 20 students to an average of 40 students per class once a month. I was making very meager income, but I was satisfied. See, what was going on is I didn't have the vision in my head. I didn't have the vision for this. I didn't know how small I was playing. I was deluding myself. Now, what happened during that time was I got a job because I was a computer engineer, I was the geeky guy in the personal growth industry, I got a job building a website for this incredible dude by the name of Bob Proctor. The movie The Secret had come out, people like Bob Proctor, Lisa Nichols. Now I get to call them friends. But back then, they were like heroes to me. They were like on the single most watched DVD in the world. So Bob Proctor, I was the guy who built one of his early websites, and he mentored me a bit. Now, one day, I was flying to London, to do my tiny little meditation seminar. There were like maybe 30 people in that room. And Bob Proctor, at the same time, was in London speaking to thousands of people at a nearby hotel. So he said, hey, Vision, I have a break for lunch. Come, come hang out. Join me for lunch. So I show up for lunch with Bob Proctor. And remember, that's Bob Proctor, right? Like, I'm in a T-shirt and jeans. Bob is in his crisp suit, his tie, his expensive glasses, and his Rolex. And he's like, So what brings you to London? Bob's got this really, really, really deep voice, right? And I'm like, Bob, you're going to be so proud of me. I'm teaching meditation now. I don't just build websites. I have 30 people in this room attending the seminar. And Bob goes, wait, wait, wait. 30 people? And I go, yes, 30 people. I'm so excited. And he goes, how much are they paying? And I go, it's like 200 bucks. That's it. And Bob goes, hang on you flew from Malaysia to London. What's that, like 22 hours? I go, yeah. He goes, you left your wife behind. You have a one-year-old son, right? I go, yeah. He goes, you left your son behind to come to London to teach 30 people meditation. I hope you're flying business at least. Then he looks at me, you are flying coach, aren't you? And I go, yeah. And I could feel that pain welling up. And he goes, vision, vision, vision and he closes his eyes. So I know something deep is coming, right? (laughs) I would not be doing what you're doing. You're wasting your time. And I go, no, but Bob, I really enjoy this. Like, this isn't work for me. I really enjoy this. I love teaching. Like, I'm adding value to these students' lives. I'm trying to justify and justify and justify. And then Bob touches his face. And he takes this deep breath, and he makes like this sniffling sound. And I know, again, something deep is coming. And he goes, Vision, you're so much bigger than this you're playing way too small. And inside me, now I'm fucking angry. I'm like, I'm a personal growth teacher. I'm actually teaching people goal setting. Like, in my mind, this conversation is happening. Like, fuck you, Mr. Bob Proctor with your fancy suit and your tie and your fantastic cologne smell. (laughs) I don't need you to tell me what to do. And so that lunch ended very abruptly. And I went and I thought the seminar. And on Monday, I woke up, and I decided, fuck it, he's right. And I quit my job teaching that seminar, which I was doing for five years. Because I realized, as painful as it was to hear, I was lying to myself. And I was lying to my students. I was telling them to write down their goals. I was telling them to meditate, to dream big. I wasn't playing big. I was fucking teaching 30 people, flying 22 hours, coach because I couldn't afford business class, leaving my wife and kid for like five days at a time, to influence 30 lives. And so I quit. After five years, I stopped teaching that seminar. And I went to Facebook as a little thing on Facebook where you can add a quote. And I added this quote. It's a quote from Bob Proctor. It's now been 10 years. So this was 2008. It's now been 10 years. I have the same quote. And the quote is this. The question is not, are you worthy to reach your goals? The question is, are your goals worthy enough of you? And so I went from this room. And two years later, the vision of AFEST emerged. For two years, I was in a space where I was trying to figure out the next big thing. But I went from that room to AFEST. And then, seven years after that first AFEST, we evolved to the next level where it went from that room to Mind Valley University. And that is what envisioning is about. Are you guys ready to play at that level? So at this AFEST, I'm going to play Bob Proctor to you. I'm going to spray on some fancy cologne. (laughs) I won't wear the jacket. It's too hot in Bali. But our job is to disrupt you to the point where you feel uncomfortable. Because remember, transformation comes from a distressing dilemma. It comes when our worldview is shaken up. And part of that shake-up has to be to help you see that could it be that you are living a tiny slice of your potential? So let's talk about the power of vision, why do we want to dream big? Why do we want a vision? Anybody know that man? Elon Musk, right? So I was once on the board at the XPRIZE Foundation, and we got to go to SpaceX and visit Elon Musk. You'll recognize many a in that picture, like Jim Quick, myself, and so on. And we got to actually sit down with Musk, visit SpaceX, ask him a couple of questions. And it is amazing how big this guy thinks. Now, this is what I noticed about Musk, right? He said, when we asked him, so what's the grand vision here for SpaceX? Now, think about this. SpaceX is nothing more than a vertical trucking company. Horizontal trucks move goods this way. SpaceX moves goods this way. No big deal. Vertical trucking. It's basically taking parts to the International Space Station. There are 19 other companies, at least, that do the same thing. But in a survey of employees in Silicon Valley, the number one place for engineers to work is SpaceX. Why? Because Elon Musk doesn't talk about it like it's a trucking company. He talks about it 10 years in the future. I remember that day, right here, meeting Musk. This was around five years ago. And when he described what he was doing, he described how all his companies connected from SpaceX to Tesla to SolarCity. And he spoke about this. He said, look, at SpaceX, we're looking to back up the human race because think about it. When you have important things on your hard drive, you back up your hard drive the human species is important, but a single asteroid could wipe us out. In fact, by the way, get this, there's a one in 30,000 chance we will be wiped out in our lifetime. One in 30,000 isn't big, but that chance still exists. And what Elon said he wants to do is within 10 years, colonize Mars. He has no idea how to get there, but it doesn't matter. He said on that day, and there was no press or journalist there, so he was very raw and open. He said, look, I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I'm aiming, and I think 10 years is about right, but I'm known to be over-optimistic on these targets. And so when he speaks about the vision, about the role he's playing in the world, he's not a guy who runs a vertical trucking company. That's for the other 19 space companies to describe themselves. No, he's saving the human race. And that's the first key idea about vision. And I noticed this when I spoke to many great minds in Silicon Valley. They would not describe what their companies do now. They always think 10 years ahead and speak as if it's happening now. When I started speaking about Mind Valley in the same way, we started growing. We started being able to attract great talent. So that's the first thing I want you to write down. Think about where you could be in 10 years you don't have to know how to get there. Elon Musk hasn't solved all the problems to get to Mars, but when he talks about why he's here, when he talks about that vision, he's talking 10 years ahead. It's the same with Peter Diamandis. Peter Diamandis, a few years ago, launched a company to mine asteroids. He has no idea how to mine asteroids, but when he speaks about how he's launched planetary resources to mine asteroids, people get so excited. He got mentioned on The Daily Show, job applications flood in. Now, I was listening to this guy, Naveen Jain. He's the founder of another big Silicon Valley company, Viome. And I was in a mastermind recently, and Naveen had a really interesting quote that I want to read out to you, because it explains how many of these big minds are literally applying envisioning to build their businesses, and that the envisioning concept is more important than talent or venture capital or ideas, or execution. It starts with envisioning. Everything else flows from there. This is the quote from Naveen Jain. When you do something audacious, it actually becomes easier because you get the best people to join you. The problem you're solving is worth solving. You have the magnets now, and you get the money because the investors call, and then you tell them you don't need the money. Now, like a bull, they charge. So sell the benefit to humanity. Notice, that's what Elon was doing. Cult leaders say loyalty lies with me. Entrepreneurs say loyalty lies with the cause. Take a snapshot of that if that resonates with you. What Naveen was saying was essentially this. When you dream big, your problems become small. Because when you dream big, when you talk about your vision as if it's 10 years ahead, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The investors want to start talking to you. Talent wants to work with you because smart people don't want to waste their lives on jobs. They want to make an impact. And what happens is you actually start fueling your company with so much more excitement. This is why the number one company to work for for engineers in Silicon Valley is not Google. It is SpaceX. Because how cool is it to say that you're working on colonizing Mars, So bold missions are actually the ultimate business advantage, but so many of us play small. So many of us think that we have to be realistic, that in our business plans, we have to write down what is practical, what is real, what's executable. There's a way around this. So tomorrow, I'm going to teach you a technique called OKRs to go beyond realism in your business plans. It's a technique that Larry Page from Google uses, that John Dower from Intel popularized. But I want you to remember this quote by Tim Johnson. He's a famous blogger. Realism is nothing more than a socially acceptable form of pessimism. The people with the most consistent track records of success don't think in terms of what is. They think in terms of what could be. Fuck realism. Tomorrow, I'm going to teach you how to go beyond it so you craft business plans that are actually proper business plans, but we use certain mathematical models, which you will learn tomorrow, to overwrite realism. And to make your company and your vision so much more attractive to investors, to people, but more internally to your soul. So you really, really, really are excited about getting out of bed every morning. But remember, there's a dark side to vision. So we spoke about Elon Musk. Let's look at the dark side of Elon Musk. Ariana Huffington spoke about this. She wrote a book called Thrive, and she spoke about how at one point in her life, she was working so hard. Ariana had built a hundred million-dollar valuation company, the Huffington Post, that she spoke about how one day she was walking back into her apartment in New York and she just collapsed from exhaustion, hit her head and passed out. Her daughter had to call a doctor. And she realized that she was missing the point, that she was sacrificing her health, sacrificing her functioning, her productivity, because she had bought into the lie of overwork. And this lie, I call it the lie of hustle, the lie of hard work, permeates so many people who are driven. Elon Musk, two months ago, gave a series of interviews in the New York Times. And he was very raw and honest. That's something I like about him. But he said, brakes are for cars, not CEOs. And he also spoke about how he is going through excruciating pain right now as CEO of two companies. In fact, he had to step down as chairman of one company. He can't sleep without the drug Ambien. He sometimes has to work till 3 a.m. He has already gone through two divorces, and it's taking a toll on him. And so people were accusing him last month of actually being unfit to lead these companies. This is the dark side of vision. It's when you have a singular obsession and everything else, your love relationships, your health, your sleep, all starts falling apart. It is downright unhealthy, folks. Ariana Huffington wrote a letter to Elon Musk, an open letter. And this is what she advised him. She said, because she had learned the lesson As you told the New York Times, you've exhausted yourself working 120-hour weeks at the expense of seeing your children and your friends. You've had day-long stretches where you shut yourself inside the Tesla factory and don't even go outside. You don't take vacations. There's no way you can connect with your amazing vision and creativity when you don't give yourself time to reconnect, not just with those you love, but also with yourself and your wisdom. That is the dark side. What's really cool to see Ariana, like, slap Elon like that. Now, he said, look, I don't have time. He's wrong. He's a fucking genius, but he is so freaking wrong on this one. So this singular obsession can destroy us. And I've gone through it. 10 years ago, as I had my wake-up call from Bob Proctor and I started building Mind Valley. you know, that was the team I had. Look at me in that picture, okay? So you'll see Nika, she's also at A-Fest, but observe me and Nika and notice how I'm sitting. I'm hunched. Do you notice the belly on me? Now, this was 10 years ago, so most of the people in that picture no longer work for Mind Valley. A lot of them are still friends. They're doing great in other companies. But the two people who are here, me and Nika, observe what we look like in that picture. Nika's probably going to kill me for putting this up. And this is 10 years later. We. So this is when you are obsessed. If you look at that previous picture, that's when you are obsessed with just a singular focus. I was working hard at the expense of my health at the expense of my friendships, at the expense of so many different things. And it wasn't just me because people will follow the CEO. So if I'm doing these unhealthy practices, so are people on my team. But when you wake up, when you have this transformation, when you go from Elon Musk to Elon plus the wisdom of Ariana, in that metaphor, you start opening yourself up to so much more. Now, The first aspect of the dark side of vision is this imbalance. But I want to tell you about another aspect. And that second aspect is cultural programming. The visions that we are pursuing don't come from us. They come from outside us. I became an engineer not because I wanted to be an engineer. It's because I'm an Indian male. And if you're an Indian immigrant, you learn very early in your family that Your parents value education. You are going to come back with A's, all A's, not one B or one C, and that there are only four options in your life. You become a doctor, an engineer, a lawyer, or a family embarrassment. (laughs) So this picture is a picture which I sent my team. This, again, was maybe seven years or so. We are celebrating hitting our 2 million month. But that's actually the wrong motivation. Who gives a fuck if we hit 2 million? It's just a number. Today, what we celebrate in our team is the number of students that we touch, the quality of our events, the quality of the products we get out there, having the highest engagement rate learning platform in the world, creating revolutionary new things like Mindvalley University. But if I go back seven years, cultural programming, it was causing me to add an overemphasis on money and career more than anything else. So my breakdown happened, and I went through a breakdown. My breakdown happened in 2010. In 2010, my business partner at that time and myself, there were a couple of things we did wrong. And I want to share with you what I did wrong so that you can avoid some of this pain. The first thing that we did wrong is that my business partner and myself, his name was Mike, and we went to college together. We were friends in Michigan for many years, but we had different visions. And so the company had no vision. When two partners have different visions, whether it's in a marriage or a business, there is no vision for that family. There is no vision for that business. So, Mind Valley became nothing more than a machine to just generate enough cash flow so that we could live our lives and do what really gave us meaning. So, I actually pretty much stepped out of Mind Valley. Now, what was I doing that was giving me more meaning? I was experimenting with a different company, AFEST. So, the first mistake was we didn't have an aligned vision ask yourself honestly do you have an aligned vision with your business partner do you have aligned vision with your life partner and if you don't that is a big warning sign you need to have that conversation we'll teach you during the safas how to bring up that conversation and the method that you can use now the second thing is as i started moving away from mind valley cultural programming again infused me and this time the cultural programming was that in 2010ish in malaysia there was a big like startup boom so people were starting companies, raising money, and I decided I wanted a piece of that. I wanted to start a startup. I wanted to raise money. So I came up with an idea. It was for a Groupon clone. Remember Groupon, that stupid little company that collapsed? It was designed to make you buy crap you don't need. So imagine that's what I did. I started the Groupon clone, a useless, crap-tastic product in Malaysia. Groupon ultimately collapsed, right? It turned out that it Didn't provide any useful benefit to society. Merchants ended up hating it. Restauranters ended up hating it. But I saw that Groupon had become the fastest growing company in the world at that time. I decided to clone it in Malaysia, found a business partner, found developers, got $2 million investment from Intel Venture Capital. I was written about in the press. I'm like, yes, I'm now a startup entrepreneur. Six months into it, I realized my life was miserable. I didn't like the team. I was not clicking with my partner. I hated my job. There was so much competition because seven other Groupon clones had started and I started dreading what I was doing. So six months into it, I sold most of my shares and backed out. Now, why did I go into down that stupid thing in the first place? It's because cultural programming. I didn't have a vision for how I wanted to lead my life. I did not have what John Butcher calls a life vision. So I was just following what the other guy was doing raise money, start a startup, try to sell it to an investors, and boom, you are that label that we define as successful. I want you to ask yourself this. Are you in that trap? Are you running a business that you took on because everybody else is doing it? Are you in the business that you took on because you inherited it from your family? Do you secretly hate your job like I did? I'm so glad I quit that stupid idea in six months. I lost a lot of money on it. I lost the respect of investors. I lost the respect of some of my business partners. That's okay, because what happened was I started discovering a new way to set vision. Now, how that happened was this. I bumped into this guy, John Butcher. So a friend of mine told me I should really take this program called Lifebook. So I took Lifebook, and that's where another piece entered. You see, Bob Proctor had given me that first piece, big, like don't play small, go big, right? But I was going big, in one dimension, career and finance. And that's a tiny slice of what it means to be human. What John Butcher showed me is that there are 10 additional dimensions that you look at. And he and his wife, Missy, and they're sitting right there with their beautiful daughter, Jade. So what John showed me through Lifebook is that you got to look at your life from 12 different dimensions. And we'll go deep in this as well. We're going to bring John on stage in the final day to help you see these other dimensions. But in the Lifebook seminar, I created a 75-page vision of my life, 75 pages. One of those pages talked about my life vision, how I wanted to lead my life. Now, I made this video to show you what I wrote down. This was six months before AFES. So this is a concept I call vision stacking. When you start creating a vision for how you want your life to look like, all of a sudden, the right opportunities start coming true. And sometimes you don't even know these opportunities exist, but the right opportunities start coming true to make these visions possible. And it's often something so out there, so wild that people think you're crazy. And this is how Lifebook actually led to AFES. Check this out this is how eerie this is this is something I wrote down in lifebook in 2010 before the very first a fest that I created now when I wrote this down I had no idea how I was going to attain this I will visit a hundred countries around the world a of course gets me to travel every six months to a different country I will have access to the most influential and fascinating people in the world these people now come to me at a fest I will be one of the world 's top speakers I was barely speaking back then and now with a fest I have my own stage I will own five-star resorts, office by the beach where work gets done. I don't own a resort, but I get to work from one. This, I go on amazing adventure trips with brilliant people at least once a year. Now with AFES, this automatically happens twice a year. And I could go on and on and on. When I created this, there was no way I knew how these were gonna, going to manifest. Look, I even wrote, partying in the Mediterranean, the Caribbean, and more. And of course, with a our team organizes some of the most elaborate, beautiful parties in the Caribbean and the Mediterranean. And all of this just emerged into my life. I had no idea where they were gonna come from as I created Lifebook. I never set a goal as a teenager or a kid to start a festival, a personal rope festival. It just came to me. And when I explained it to my friends in business, they told me it was the dumbest idea they ever heard. But AFES Today, six years later, has become a phenomenon. It's become, it's and, it's and it's allowed me to create a life where all of those crazy things I put down in my life book and I had no idea how to get there, I now get there frequently. I get to, true A-Fest, create festivals in beautiful locations around the world. Thousands of people apply to come and attend these events and I get to curate a tribe of remarkable individuals who are there with me. Some of the world's greatest speakers come and speak on our stage for free because they want to be there. and. I certainly found myself living this life where the friendships were there, the travel, the adventure. I'm taking my family with me. I'm learning from all of these remarkable speakers. But AFS itself defies any business plan. It's a fully profitable business, but it never emerged as a desire to be a business. It simply emerged as this weird little eruption in life that came from me getting really specific about what I wanted and the type of life I wanted to live. You can see how writing that down, I had no idea how it was going to happen, but AFES emerged. Now, the second thing was this one. I saw this picture of John, and frankly, I got turned on. (laughs) But this set another vision for me. So I realized that health, longevity, I didn't have goals for that. So I started doing that. And that was my health transformation in just two years. I actually reverse my biological age by maybe between five and seven years. You can actually measure biological age. So I want you to know that this is a very important part of the process. This is not about becoming Elon Musk. Elon Musk is Elon Musk. You are you. You are who you are. And your vision has to be unique to you. And this is about getting you to think boldly, but not to start the next startup because you want to start the next startup because everybody else is doing it, or become the next best-selling author because everybody else is doing it. It's to figure out what is that unique vision that's emerging from you? What is that life that you want to lead? And then making that as bold and magnificent and 360 as you can. It's about really having a 360 life vision, looking at 12 different dimensions. So thank you, John and Missy, for that insight. We're going to take you through this process on day four. So now that you understand what envisioning is about, are you guys ready to go forward? Yeah. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.